are invited to head downstairs for Children's Church. Let us pray together. Dear God, Father of orphans and widows, Mother of strangers and outsiders, we thank you for the way that, through Jesus, you have opened up a space where we might feel safe and loved and become who we really are. And we pray this morning for your Holy Spirit to come and empower us so that we might extend this same hospitality, your hospitality, to others. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So in our series so far... A little recap here. We've been exploring what it means to be a community that is living the hospitality of God in our inhospitable times. You know, just this last week, there was yet another restriction, or another restriction was upheld that makes it all the more impossible for Central American migrants to seek asylum in our nation. So what an incredibly, what an incredible contrast it is from what we learned two weeks ago. That the Bible's word for hospitality in Greek is philoxenia. Philo means love, of course, as we hear in Philadelphia. And xenia means stranger, as in xenophobia. But can also mean guest. And two weeks ago, we saw that Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, shows us what putting Philo and Xenia together actually looks like. Again and again, he shows us that it looks like opening up a safe space where strangers can be transformed into guests and even our friends. He shows us that first and foremost, the kingdom of God is a realm of hospitality. And then last week, Pastor Don helped us to see how God, like a potter, wishes to shape us like soft and supple clay into people who share God's own hospitable heart toward this world, especially to those who are most vulnerable in it. And today, 
our reading from Genesis 18 takes us 4,000 years back in history. Takes us all the way back, back, back to Abraham and Sarah, the father and mother of our Jewish and Christian and Muslim faiths. We all share Abraham and Sarah. And these two, you know the story, they have left their home up in Haran in Turkey, and they have God has called them to travel southward hundreds and hundreds of miles down into the land of Canaan. And along the way, people's hospitality to strangers, to them, has been crucial to their survival. So they know what it's like to receive hospitality when you're vulnerable. And today, settled, as you can see here, by the Oaks of Mamre, we see Abraham and Sarah now extending this same hospitality to three mysterious strangers who show up one day in the heat of the day at the door of their tent. The 99-year-old Abraham in this story, (laughs) 99 years old, totters out to meet them. Bows to the ground. I don't know how a 99-year-old does that. And calls for water to wash their tired and dirty feet. What a scene. Isn't that wonderful? Hospitality. And soon... Sarah is busy preparing a feast for them of cakes and curds and milk and roasted calf. And then in verse 10, we discover something that invariably happens in hospitality. The line between who is the host and who is the guest gets all mushed together, blurred. In fact, in this story, the guests are the ones who suddenly surprise their hosts with this precious gift, the wonderful and laughable news that Sarah is about to have a child. And notice how this story begins with the three mysterious words. The Lord appeared to Abraham, right? And then three guests show up. What? Here again, we see the Bible's core conviction that hospitality to strangers is the holy ground where we meet God and God meets us. As Jesus later says in Matthew 25, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. All right. But having said all this, Can I be really honest with you this morning? 
about all the contradictions about welcoming the stranger that have been swirling around in my brain this past week? Is that all right? I mean, take our county. Lancaster has been called America's refugee capital, right? We just got, I think, some new status as welcomer of refugees last week. But we're also a place where newcomers often find that family ties run so deep that, as someone told me just a week ago, folks here don't have any space for new friends. Another contradiction, take our church. Should we take our church? We have a long tradition of being a congregation of refuge for those at the margins, especially spiritual refugees from other congregations. But we are also a church that has been less than hospitable at times because of someone's race, someone's orientation, their mode of baptism, or level of education. And take me, your pastor. You know, I deeply believe in welcoming the stranger. I believe it's at the core of the gospel. But boy, do I sure struggle to actually practice it. It's so much easier to preach it. And I especially struggle to practice it in our own neighborhood. This past January, for example, we woke up at 5.30 a.m. with fire engine lights flashing through our windows on Orange Street. It's not a great feeling. There was a fire in the five flat, two doors down. And within minutes, we took in our 80-year-old neighbors, one in a wheelchair, who lived between us and the building on fire. But the occupants of the five flat were also all outside on the front sidewalk in the January cold as well. And what you have to know is that because of Megan's Law, you all know Megan's Law? We'd received police warnings about an earlier renter in that building. And so when Danette and I talked in the kitchen, when we huddled there quickly, we felt that we could not welcome all these people outside into our home. And instead, we warmed up some muffins and brewed some coffee and took it to them outside. Was that really phylloxenia? Is that what Jesus would have done? 
Haven't we all been in situations where extending Christian hospitality just feels plain risky and just plain hard? You know, two weeks ago we heard Jesus call us to open our doors to the vulnerable, but how do we balance this with the vulnerability of our own kids when we're parents? How do you balance that? Or our own vulnerabilities sometimes ourselves. And I wonder if this is one of the big reasons that we need the church. Because we can do things together collectively that just feel too plain, overwhelming, or risky for us to do individually on our own. I mean, Todd and Danette can't invite over 150 people every Monday night. But we can do that together. In our Deuteronomy reading, we've moved forward in time by several hundred years. And by now, Abraham and Sarah's descendants, in a time of famine have migrated to Egypt, been enslaved by the pharaohs, and just been liberated by God from their house of slavery in Egypt. And in today's beautiful words from Deuteronomy, we see God the potter, through Moses, working to shape and to form these people into a community that shares God's own hospitable heart for the vulnerable. You shall love the stranger, for you yourselves were once strangers in the land of Egypt. God is saying, don't you ever, ever forget your own Egypt experiences of being vulnerable. And don't ever forget my own Hospitality to you, God says. Liberating you from slavery. Feeding you out in the, in the wilderness. Bringing you into a safe place. Welcome the stranger, God is saying, just as I have welcomed you. And so in our series we've been moving toward a definition of Christian hospitality that really has nothing to do with keeping a clean house or serving folks on fine china, but has everything to do with opening up a safe place for others where they feel safe and loved and can become who they really are. And we can do this wherever we are, not just in our homes, but also out on the street, extending hospitality at school, at work, here at church. So let me close today by focusing on hospitality within our church. And next week, we'll turn our focus to hospitality beyond our church.
here at East Chestnut for two years now, going back two years, folks on nurture and fellowship commissions have been talking about how we might deepen our sense of connection and community together. Though we're all in the same church, it's easy sometimes for us still to be strangers to one another and to not really know one another's stories. And so in the year ahead, if you look in your bulletin to this flyer, They are asking all of us to gather three different times in a home with the same small group of folks from Chestnut. So, just like our Monday, Thursday services, small groups spread out across the county in different homes. On October 20, January 26, and April 19, to share our stories a meal, and our dreams for this church. Who is God wanting us to become together? And this will be an opportunity for all of us to move toward, toward, toward one another and to practice conversational hospitality. Because you know the shortest distance often between two people, what is it? A story. A story. When you know my story and I know your story, we're connected in a brand new way. So let me close today with a story of my own. Ten years ago, When I was pastoring in Chicago, our church went through a rupturing conflict, and 25 people left. And for me, at that time as a pastor, it was a time of utter despair. And in that dark hour, Two church friends, knowing my love for the Irish band U2, bought me a ticket and told me that we were all going together. And they showed up that night in a Jeep with an open top, and I can still feel the wind blowing through my short hair. as we flew down the Eisenhower Expressway with you two cranking on the stereo. Unforgettable. And then when we got to Soldier Field, oh my, it was one of those crystal clear nights where everything seemed to be sparkling with light. The stars above, the skyscrapers on the horizon, the boats bobbing in Lake Michigan. Everything was sparkling. And then near the end of the concert, 
Bono decides that it's time for church to begin. And he has 60,000 of us, 60,000 of us singing Amazing Grace together. His grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. And that night, these two friends opened up a safe place where I felt loved. And where God's grace could start flowing in again. And today, dear friends, I still go to church and I'm still a pastor because of their hospitality. Amen.